the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What exactly did they teach about divorce? Well, according to Jesus, the rabbis said that if a man wanted to divorce his wife, the main thing, the primary thing he needed to concern himself with was the legality of the divorce. And the way he did this, the way he made it legal, was by giving her a certificate, a document, a bill of divorce. Now, this is precisely what he is talking about when he said, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, meaning divorces her, let him give her that certificate of divorce. In other words, they taught and they believed that the certificate of divorce was the primary thrust of the law concerning divorce. Just get the legal paperwork done. That's all right. That's the only thing that really matters. You're okay before God. You're righteous before him. Get the paperwork done. Is that what makes a divorce legitimate? The paperwork? Well, that's not the opinion of the one who created marriage, as we'll see today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And he's leading us in a series of studies about the Sermon on the Mount, as related in Matthew chapter 5. In this talk with his followers, Jesus did something that the teachers of his day just didn't do. He said, you have heard it said that, and that part was common. But then he continued with, but I say, and what he said was eye-opening. Here's Pastor Steve now to help us wrap our brains around Jesus' words concerning divorce. This morning, we want to continue in our study on the Sermon on the Mount by turning our attention to one of the most controversial subjects mentioned in the Bible, and that's the subject of divorce. It is such a controversial issue that reluctance on the part of some pastors to deal with it prevents them from teaching it from the pulpit. They just don't want to address it. And there are a couple of reasons for this reluctance. Number one is because divorce, like like few other subjects, touches people's emotions at a, at a very, very deep level. With some surveys telling us that eight out of 10 individuals are affected by divorce in some way, the very sound of divorce is, is painful to people, very painful. There is nothing quite as agonizing and as tragic as a failed marriage. Someone described the mental agony of going through divorce as, and I quote, the psychological equivalent of a triple coronary bypass. And so out of sensitivity to those who are hurting because of divorce, many pastors just kind of back off and and they won't deal with the subject. The second reason for the reluctance on the part of some Christian leaders to teach about divorce is due to the fact that amongst God's people, there are major disagreements as to the correct biblical interpretation of this doctrine. Essentially, there are, are four views about the subject of divorce and remarriage, four views taught by 
and held to by contemporary Bible teachers. One interpretation is that divorce is not permissible under any circumstances for any reason whatsoever. That's held by some. The opposite end of this interpretation is the view that divorce and remarriage are permissible for any reason, any reason at all. A third belief is that divorce is permissible, but only under certain circumstances, but never remarriage. And a fourth and final view is that both divorce and remarriage are permitted under certain circumstances. So, out of sensitivity to those who have endured the pain of divorce, as well as a desire to stay away from the controversies surrounding divorce, many just avoid tackling the subject. But we can't do that. We cannot do that. And the reason we can't do that is not is not only because all Scripture is inspired and profitable for us, and that includes verses dealing with divorce, but Jesus specifically spoke about this subject in his Sermon on the Mount. And therefore, if he considered it important to preach on, then it would be wrong for us to overlook it, regardless of its controversies and regardless of its complexities. So what exactly did Jesus have to say on the subject of divorce? Well, the place to look is Matthew chapter 5. So let's turn there. Matthew chapter 5, and just two verses address this issue. Although we will bring in other verses, and he did speak about it again in Matthew 19. But for right now, here's what he had to say in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. It was said... Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, these two verses constitute the third time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has gone back into the Old Testament in order to explain how wrong the Pharisees were concerning their interpretation of the law and then to correct that that wrong view and to explain the correct interpretation of the individual laws that he was dealing with. First, he correctly explained the divine intent of the law concerning murder. And he said that anger in the heart constitutes murder in God's sight just as much as taking someone's physical life. Secondly, we saw that he gave the true meaning of the law concerning adultery. That adultery wasn't just an outward act, but but inward sexual lust also constitutes adultery as far as God is concerned. And now the Lord moves on to address what the Old Testament really had to say about divorce. In contrast to what the ancient rabbis taught and the Pharisee and scribes of, of his day taught on the subject, Now, once again, I remind you that his purpose in doing this is not just to pick random subjects and to speak about them. This is a sermon. A sermon by design has structure. It has a theme. uh, It has a purpose. It knows where it's going, and the Lord knows where he's going. His purpose here is to tell us how to conduct our lives so that our behavior is distinct and different from those who, who don't know him. This is a sermon about inner righteousness as opposed to pharisaical righteousness, which is concerned only with outward appearance. This is a sermon to say that in light of the fact that, that we are citizens in Christ's kingdom, how shall we live in a fallen world, a world that rejects him, a world that may be religious but isn't interested in truly re- 
repenting and following him. In other words, in contrast to the scribes and Pharisees who lived solely by a code of external legalistic rules, which they made up, Jesus calls us to live by the standards of true righteousness, standards which are concerned about inner right motives and attitudes as well as outer right actions. And the key verse is verse 20 of chapter 5. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Their righteousness was no righteousness. Our righteousness has to be addressed with the heart. Our righteousness has to be a response of inner obedience when nobody else around us sees, but a desire to please the Lord as well as the outward manifestation of that inward desire. And once again, like the previous issues of anger and lust, the subject of divorce is most relevant for us to understand because Christians do get divorced. And some, without much regard for what Scripture has to say at all, Instead of submitting to the word of God, their longing for happiness and a relief from a bad marriage just pushes them to divorce. I don't want to minimize the pain of a difficult marriage. I understand that there's nothing quite like it. But if you're a genuine citizen of Christ's kingdom, then the righteous standards of scripture alone must, must guide your attitudes, your behavior, your actions, all that. Never our feelings, regardless of how difficult your circumstances are. It's always scripture. So what does Scripture say? Well, in order to guide us so that we understand the high and righteous standards that God has set for marriage, Jesus takes verses 31 and 32 to explain the biblical perspective about that which dissolves a marriage, namely divorce. And the way he does this is just the same approach he's used with all of these laws, is first he states the error that was being taught in his day by the scribes and Pharisees, and secondly, he states the biblical truth about divorce, the truth that God always intended for people to understand, but the Pharisees and religious legalists twisted so that they they got it wrong. So let's begin by looking at the error that was being taught about divorce. This is a fascinating study. Verse 31, he starts off by saying, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, once again, Jesus begins to address a new topic, a new subject, this being the subject of divorce, by stating what the Jewish people of his day traditionally had been taught about divorce. This is what they had been taught. This is what they embraced. This was the common view of the day. So when he says, it was said, he means not what the Bible says, but what the ancient rabbis said many years ago, what they said about divorce, what they taught about the subject, and what the scribes and Pharisees had continued to teach in his day. What exactly did they teach about divorce? Well, according to Jesus, the rabbis said that if a man wanted to divorce his wife, the main thing, the primary thing he needed to concern himself with was the legality of the divorce. And the way he did this, the way he made it legal, was by giving her a certificate, a document a bill of divorce. Now, this is precisely what he is talking about when he said, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, meaning divorces her, let him give her that certificate of divorce. In other words, they taught and they believed that the certificate of divorce was the primary thrust of the law concerning divorce. Just get the legal paperwork done. That's all right. That's the only thing that really matters. You're okay before God. You're righteous before him. Get the paperwork done. 
Now, where did they ever come up with such an odd view of divorce? That, that in their eyes, righteousness before God just boiled down to a legal document. See, that is so typical of a Pharisee. Just get the legal work done. Just get it on the outside right, and everything is righteous before God. Well, where did they come up with this? Well, they based their teaching on a few verses found in Deuteronomy 24. I, I need you to turn there and put a bookmark there because we'll be going back to it. This is the law concerning divorce. It's found Deuteronomy 24, and it's the first four verses of the chapter. Deuteronomy 24. I want to read this to you, and then we're going to get into it. We're going to see where they went off, and eventually we'll look this morning at what the, what the right interpretation of this was. Verse 1 says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house, and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, And if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance." Now, based on on these verses, the Pharisees interpreted these verses to teach that if a man found some indecency in his wife, he was commanded, ordered by God to give her that certificate of dismissal and so divorce her. Now, we know that is precisely how they interpreted Deuteronomy 24. We know this because later in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 19, we're told about some Pharisees who came to Jesus one day asking him to explain this specific passage of Scripture, the one dealing with the certificate of divorce. And it's obvious by what they had to say to the Lord and the interaction there that the certificate of divorce was the major issue in their mind. Let's let's keep our place in Deuteronomy 24, and let's now turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19 is actually an expansion of Christ's teaching in in, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Begins in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his his wife for any reason at all? Now, in order to understand why Matthew tells us that they came to Jesus testing him, you need to know something about the background of, of what was going on here. They were trying to draw Jesus into a theological debate that they were engaged in in their day. This was a hot subject, the subject of divorce. It's a hot subject. It was a controversial subject. And there were two rival schools of Jewish thought concerning the issue of divorce and the grounds by which a marriage could be legitimately dissolved. The controversy centered around their interpretation of Deuteronomy 24 and specifically what this word indecent meant. Since the passage says that the certificate of divorce follows if he finds some indecency in her. So the burning question of our Lord's day was, what does indecency mean? What does that word and expression mean? Well, one school of thought took a very liberal view, very wide, lenient, liberal view about what constituted indecency, and therefore, they interpreted in the widest sense possible, so that it included essentially anything a man didn't like about his wife, anything. 
By the way, let me just explain why it mentions a man divorcing his wife and not a wife divorcing her husband, because under the Mosaic law, it only was presented in in the words about a husband divorcing his wife. But later in Mark chapter 10, Jesus spoke about a wife divorcing her husband. So, So it could go both ways here. However, what we need to do is understand the Pharisees' view of this. Based on their view of indecency, this one school of Jewish thought, grounds for for divorce, since indecency could be anything I don't like about my wife. We we know from ancient records that grounds for divorce could be something as trivial as uh, she burnt his meal. She didn't like the way, he didn't like the way she cooked. Or she spoke disrespectfully of him or of his parents. In fact, one rabbi we have on record who was of this particular school actually said that a man could legitimately divorce his wife if he found somebody better looking. And so that was, that was the view in our Lord's Day. That was one popular school, and it was probably the most popular one because Pharisees are always looking for loopholes. So this is what they gravitated to. There was another school of Jewish thinking that, that opposed this very wide and, and liberal view. And this, this rabbi and his followers took a very narrow view, a more narrow view of Deuteronomy 24. They interpreted indecency as offenses that involved moral indiscretions that fell short of adultery. And the reason that, that it fell short of adultery was the punishment for adultery wasn't divorce originally, it was death. So, if it was adultery that was mentioned here, it would have been execution, not divorce. So their moral indiscretions, these moral indiscretions they believed included things that were considered shameful for a woman in the first century, shameful such as tempting a man by letting down her hair or, or uncovering her arms or legs. Now that would be no uh, basic problem in our society, but back then it was. We're talking about doing those things in public. So this was the background of the Pharisees who came to Jesus that day and Matthew 19 records that they asked him, what was his view? What school of, of Jewish thinking, which rabbi did he follow in, uh, in, in viewing the grounds for divorce? In other words, they wanted to know which rabbinical school he was with. And they did this because they wanted to pull him into a theological debate. That's why it says they came testing him. They really didn't care what he believed. They wanted him to tell them where he was coming from so they would exploit his answer and and eventually use it against him. But I want you to notice Matthew 19, how Jesus responded to their question. I, I love this. He never answered it. He never answered it. Instead, he countered their question with a question of his own. The Lord often did that. That's, that's, a, that's a great way of discussing things. Notice how he responded, verses 4 through 6. And this is critical to understand about marriage and divorce. He answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they're no longer two, Jesus said, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And you see what our Lord did? Instead of getting into their silly debate over what indecency meant and what were the grounds and what the certificate of divorce was about, Jesus took them further back from Deuteronomy 24 and he took them back to the early chapters of Genesis and reminded them of the sanctity of marriage reminded them of the fact that when God created marriage, he created it 
to be a permanent, enduring relationship between a man and a woman with no thought of of breakup through divorce. This is why marriage is presented with these specific words. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become, Jesus said, one flesh. Now, the thought behind the Hebrew word uh, to be joined or cleave as as it's presented in the King James Version, is that of a permanent attachment. The the word means a gluing together. It's a fusing together so that an indissoluble, binding, unbreakable union now exists. In other words, a man is to leave the temporary relationship of his father and mother's care in order to enter a permanent relationship with his wife, where he is now joined to her so that those who were once two now become in God's sight one flesh. See, marriage is intended by God to be the deepest of human relationships. There's nothing deeper on earth. Unlike any other human relationship, it's, it's a relationship of such unique intimacy that it is expressed by the words two becoming one. Now, what exactly does this oneness entail? Well, here's how one Bible teacher explained it. He wrote, in marriage, God brings a husband and a wife together in a unique physical and spiritual bond that reaches to the very depths of their souls. As God designed it, marriage is to be the welding of two people together into one unit, the blending of two minds, two wills, two sets of emotions, and two spirits. It is a bond the Lord intends to be indissoluble as long as both partners are alive. The Lord created sex and procreation to be the fullest expression of that oneness, and the intimacies of marriage are not to be shared with any other human being. End of quote. See, marriage is not like a business partnership. If you decide to break it up because you're going in a different direction, you're not getting along, then, then you just do that. That's not the way marriage is. When you get married, you enter a one flesh relationship that God intends to be permanent and enduring for life. And that's why Jesus added to the words of Genesis, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God's brought them together. Let no man break it up. So the question we have to honestly ask is this. If God's original intention for marriage was that two people would become one flesh and stay together for life, then why did the Old Testament speak of a bill of divorcement? It certainly mentioned it. Why did it do that if that was God's original intention that there would be no divorce? Well, in light of what Jesus said about the permanency of marriage, that's exactly what the Pharisees wanted to know. If If marriage is to be so permanent, why then did Moses speak of a bill of divorce? And that's what they said to him in verse 7 of Matthew 19. They said to him, and it's a very legitimate question, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And once again, they brought the discussion back to Deuteronomy 24. Jesus took it to Genesis. They brought it back to 24 of Deuteronomy, which mentions, as we noted, because we read it, a certificate of divorce being given to a wife upon dissolving of the marriage. But I want you to know that the Pharisees, like many other scriptures, missed completely the point and purpose of this passage. They completely missed it and completely overlooked what God really was saying. Notice how they referred to the certificate of divorce. You'll see right away how they missed it. They called it 
a command, a command from God through Moses. In other words, they interpreted Deuteronomy 24 as Moses, God through Moses, commanding a man who found some indecency in his wife to first give her a certificate of divorce before sending her away. That's to say that they viewed this specific law as teaching that in order for a man to divorce his wife, all he had to do to obey God and to be righteous was to make it legal. And the certificate of divorce, that that document, that paper, was what made it legal. If we become one flesh when we marry, what kind of wound must that create when we rip that flesh apart with divorce? Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this message on divorce on our next Verse by Verse. Thanks for listening. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more about Lakeside, call the office at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. At that website, there's also a link to Verse by Verse Ministries, but I'll just tell it to you right now. It's that simple. It's versebyverseradio.org. You can stream or download hundreds of previous broadcasts from the Message Archive page. Or if you go to the giving page, we make it easy to give online to support Verse by Verse. It's listeners like you who cover the expenses of airtime and production, and we're grateful. That's at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. When Moses said in Deuteronomy 24 that a man could divorce his wife for indecency, what did that mean? We'll consider that on the next Verse by Verse. here to give you strength between three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.